a.k.a. responsible, proper, social distance shit-talking from spare bedrooms across exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Ashley. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours, too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at everyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear on this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, duck, duck, go that shit. Ooh, we got the X rating right there, didn't we, right off the bat? (laughs) Not X, R. (laughs) Well, we could could fix that. (laughs) Or not. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> yeah, leave it. Just go with R. So it's the Diamond episode of the Godless Heathens podcast because it's number 75. And here's what we have on our minds and hopefully we'll cover in today's podcast. Trump admits he withheld information about the pandemic early in the outbreak. And the numbers are in on Sturgis. How different religious groups are treated differently by public schools. And we're recording this only 50 days from the election, or you're hearing it 50 days from the election. Vote like your democracy depends on it, because it does. And that brings us to our libations of choice tonight. Don, what are you drinking? Well, Jerry's not here this week, so I can have an apothic (laughs) without him giving me a hard time. I would not give you a hard time for apothic. Apothic crush. I like apothic crush. uh, That's always a go-to, one that we always tend to keep at least a bottle of in the house. Yeah, it's a good table wine. I am drinking a Napa Valley Oberon Cabernet Sauvignon that I first tried uh, several years ago because of the Shakespeare link in the name. And it's uh, it's decent. So we have two wine drinkers versus one beer drinker. So the tables are turned, yeah. It's very seldom that the wine outshines the beer on the GHB. So I'm drinking a selection from local brewing a company called Firemaker Brewing in Atlanta, and it's called What's Up Bach. So it's it's a Maybach, hmm. it's a German-style beer. It's uh, very malty, um, okay. quite good. I think it's a 7.9 ABV, and I got the big boy. This is one of those that was way back in the back of the fridge again. So a lot of times, those are some good surprises, and this was one. Nice. And is it five-star worthy? Maybe even six. <laughs> And if you think this podcast is five-star worthy, or you don't think the podcast is five-star worthy, either way, let us know. Hit us up at Twitter, at Godless Podcast. You can reach out to the private Facebook group. i, I got to read Jerry's part here, so i gotta, I got to turn Jerry for a second. Uh, you know, the same kind that Facebook bans as well as amplifies and lets radicalize someone until they commit heinous crimes. Yeah, that was very good. That was a good impersonation there. Yeah. <laughs> or you can just drop us an email, godlessheathens at yahoo.com. Flood our email. Absolutely. So... There's a book out that's going to drop on September 15th by Bob Woodward. So in his first book, and Trump was kind of mad at him because he didn't interview him. Well, in this book, it was primarily about interviewing Trump. So he's got, I forget what it is, like 14 hours of recorded interview with Trump for this thing. So the news media is 
dropping some tidbits here and there. And it started today, I think, they started to kind of dribble out. And one of them was that he knew way back in February that this was going to be a dangerous virus that it was airborne, that it was going to be like five times as lethal as the flu, and yet he downplayed it. And he said he did that, he did that on purpose. So hmm. Because he didn't want people to right, panic. Yeah. He wanted, it was okay to die. He wanted to protect the stock market. Yes, his rich, famous friends, yeah. that's who he was protecting primarily. So I'm really surprised that he admitted that on yeah. tape. Mm-hmm. And amongst some of my friends, Bob Woodward is taking a lot of heat for waiting until now to disclose this since he has it on tape. Well, it's before the election. How long ago were the recordings made? I don't know, but you got to figure it's been at least a month since the book was finished and edited and put to. I mean, okay. it's, he's had this information since months ago. Yeah. He's holding it to sell a book, right? To drum up interest yeah. in the book. But could would if we had known this in say, March or April, would it have made a difference in the primary? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a good point, too. And the way that people have such short attention spans. That's the other side of the coin. Is it better to wait, mm-hmm. at, you know, 50 days to the election? Well, you start with all of this, you're like, where is the October surprise going to be? Yeah, this seems like an early October surprise to me. Everybody that I also, the same group, several of the same people that I've been chatting about this with a little bit, also believe that this will make no difference in the absolute base but may make a difference. No, no, absolutely not. More moderate Republicans who were say never Hillary people that yeah. aren't necessarily enamored of Trump. But it's also hard to think that they weren't already there and that this is what it's going to take to push them over the edge. So there's this, and then what was it this weekend that came out about the disparaging of the military by calling them losers and and all that. So you know there mm-hmm. might be like a multiplier effect for those people, and I don't know how many people are you know in that undecided category at this point. But if it moves over uh, enough people, it doesn't take a whole lot. And this may very well be a, a case where like the military thing may take a couple chunks out. And then this Woodward book take a couple chunks out. The same thing with the Cohen book. It's little bit here, little bit there. And like you said, it, it wasn't a very big margin that pushed him over in those four states. Right. For some of his, even his base that have lost jobs because of this or gotten the virus and gotten sick, some probably have died. Or somebody they know died. Right. Somebody they love died. So some of those people, I think, when they find out, if again, they listen to what the science says, is if we would have jumped on this saying early, we might not have had to do as dramatic a shutdowns as we did to try to tamp it down. Like... Other countries that are industrialized right. and not industrialized that aren't having the same per capita death rate that we are, like those? Well, not just that, but I'm saying the economic devastation that was that's still going on, even though he downplays that as well. <laughs> so maybe that, you know, yeah. because it's hitting them personally, is like, you fucker, you know, you could have prevented this had you been honest, measured, but honest. Which in the long run would have been better for his precious economy yes. as well. It's an interesting... Thing because like you know you think about the government and there's all kinds of threats all the time and yeah. they have to decide what you tell to avoid a panic and maybe you give a cover story or, or or whatever else we haven't had to my recollection and I'm willing to be corrected on this of course something where something like this was was just blatantly lied to and disregarded I can see not wanting to cause a panic. They yeah. could have handled it very differently by choosing to outright lie about it and say it was a yeah. hoax and that it was 
not anything to worry about and it was going to go away in a few months like to make that deliberate choice to lie he basically said every american is expendable he said this on the record in uh, february but he continued to have these massive rallies in other words he knew that it was an airborne disease and that you know people in close proximity are going to catch it which doesn't make sense that is totally counterproductive if you knew this and you understood this why would you put your followers at risk like that because he's a narcissist and he doesn't care right he all only thing he thinks about this and they quoted fauci in this book too is he just cares about his re-election. Okay, well, if I want to get re-elected, the more followers I have that are still alive in November, the more chances they're going to vote for me. And putting them together inside doesn't help. Yeah, but I, I don't think he's capable of thinking about anyone but himself. <laughs> and maybe Ivanka. After reading Melania and me, maybe Ivanka. I mean, it doesn't take a conspiracy theorist to connect those dots, though. <laughs> you know? Followers vote for me. I win. Keep them alive. Well, the other thing, if you th if you think about his rallies, they have always been about juicing him up. In other words, he's he got so depressed when he wasn't able to get out in front of thousands of people to you know give him his giggles, and and that's why he's back out now. In fact, he was just in North Carolina doing some kind of a rally. Now it was it was outside at a at a hangar, but still there was. Forget how many, there was a few thousand people that were tightly packed. Very few had masks on. So still no to this day, he doesn't give a shit about these people, evidently. They're willing to play the odds. Well, or if his brain can just kind of isolate that and compartmentalize, I guess the word is, and then not even think mm -hmm. about the death and destruction that he's causing and then just look at what he's doing for himself because that's always been about that. It's kind of similar also to... Uh, I'm going to mention Tom again. Friend of the pod. Well, <laughs> no, no, actually, he said he said I, I treated him like a 7.5 out of 10 representation wise last week. OK, you weren't dead on, but you weren't far off. Right. Yeah, That's that was as best as could be expected, I would say. I would put it this way. If he were to go on a podcast and represent your side of the conversation, if you felt yeah. he did a 7.5, that would be good. But it's not just him. We talked about John MacArthur on the podcast, I yeah. think, before, too. And he's being one of these people that's packing him yeah. in his mega church as well with no mass, 100-person choir spewing their droplets out to the auditorium and all that is like they don't seem to really be taking this in seriousness either so they're compartmentalizing i think on one level they must understand this is a serious disease but they're able to put that aside just to go forward with what they want to do will it shift people uh, might it might some like you said some people that were more anti-hillary than pro-trump may be able to go pull a, a biden lever but i don't think anybody that's like no. a maga right. hat wearer is going to change sides. They just won't believe Bob Woodward's is a, a lying, hack, pedophile, Marxist, baby killer, atheist, socialist. Right. And why would you believe him? Or, or, you know, something along those lines. It's sad. I just wish more people going after Trump would remember the passage in Luke from do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> oh, dropping Bible verses on the godless heathens. <laughs> I had six and a half years of evangelical schooling indoctrination. I remember a few things. <laughs> so you're actually asking people to read and follow the religious texts that they claim that they read and follow. Yes. 
crazy talk. You know, what's interesting about that is, as I shared a video, I think it was in our Signal group, a podcast that juxtapositioned MacArthur with Andy Stanley. Did you guys get a chance to to watch that? I did not. I saw the response to Andy Stanley had a presentation to Liberty. Then it got picked apart by by MacArthur. And and who who else was he talking about? I mean, so. But I remember, yeah. yeah, Right, exactly. Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac is the one that opened up his church. No masking, no social distancing, wide open. Yeah. Andy Stanley, not going to do in person church until at least the first of the year. And I sent y'all a video on that. The video wasn't very good. I'll find it. I'll post it. I now, and I will go ahead and warn the, the listeners. The video is not that great. Just read the comments, the way they talk about Andy Stanley. Right. And, and his ministry. But my point yeah. is, Andy Stanley seems to be more in line with the Bible verse that Ashley just put out there, is he is concerned not just for mm-hmm. his yeah. own people, but for the people in the community, because he understands about community spread. I don't believe I'm picking up the sword and the shield for Andy Stanley, but he doesn't suffer. I, it doesn't look like, I don't know. I'll paint with a wide brush here. I don't think he suffers at least as much as they do from the persecution complex that is rampant in Christian. Right. And that's kind of my larger point is you can't say all evangelicals, you know, and that's the problem we do is we say 81% no. of yeah. evangelicals. Well, there are some. All evangelicals matter, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a bumper sticker. There are church-state separation evangelicals. They're few and far between, but they are there are some there. Right. There's a whole lot I disagree with with Andy Stanley, but on, on that side of things where he seems to be more in concern about his fellow human. Yes, yes. That is an area we could roll up our sleeves and work together. So, Yep, absolutely. All right, so every time I come on the podcast, it seems like there's some kind of news out of South Dakota. It's time to shit on South Dakota, basically. I thought this was going to be the one where like, no, we're not going to talk about South Dakota. But it's the gift that keeps on giving. And we didn't plan this. It wasn't like, hey, the Sturgis numbers are out. So we got to get Ashley on, tell Jerry to take the weekend off. Right. It's more that, hey, I'm here. And what are we going to talk about? Hey, look, the Sturgis numbers came out and that's in South Dakota. And I have to tell you, I've not ever been to bike week. There is a God. (laughs) (laughs) I've not ever been to bike week, but I have visited Sturgis. I visited it right before bike week a couple of years ago uh, as they were setting everything up for it. It's a fun vibe and everything, but this was not the year to go. No. Yet people still went. And what we have learned is that roughly 260,000 corona cases that can be tracked back via cell phone data (laughs) have come out from people who attended the Sturgis rally. And no one is surprised. Ballpark shot. How many people attended Sturgis? I think about 400. Yeah. So... I'm just spitballing. I'm no math major. More than 50%, 60-70% of the people. Not of the attendees necessarily, but 260,000 cases. Specifically attributable back to Sturgis. Somebody could have been in Sturgis, gave it to somebody who ended up contracting it or gave it to somebody else who ended up contracting it. Now, I will say in this particular, now this was from the... Centers for Health, Center for Health Economics and Policy Studies at San Diego State University. Go Aztec. They published this on Saturday in a 63-page report. But the number of cases tied to the rally that's reported both by the South Dakota Health Department and the Associated Press is significantly less. I don't know what that number was that they're saying significantly less. What they're saying is that they use cell phone data as part of their analysis. They found areas that saw lots of rally goers and tracked cases before and 
after the event. Those findings paired with a per case estimate for another team of economists conclude the rally may have generated a general public health cost of about $12.2 billion. Whoa! Jeez! Oh, man, I hope they sold a lot of beer there. Make up for that. South Dakota is disputing this number, but they're saying that they've only reported 124 cases among South Dakota residents who got sick after attending the rally. I mean, South Dakota residents are there first, period. (laughs) Yeah. And how many attended the rally, you know, period. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going out on a little limb here. The Sturgis rally, however many days it lasts, would you venture to say... 10 days. 10 days? Whatever. Are those the 10 best days of commerce in South Dakota every year? Probably. In that area anyway, because Sturgis, Deadwood, Rapid City, the whole area. I mean, the week we were there, we were able to get a cabin for like four nights, but... We couldn't have done it for four nights if we had been there for the week of Sturgis. Like, you have to get it the whole week. That's the type of event that just transforms you know, an area. Oh, it does. It's like the Indianapolis Speedway. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Indianapolis Speedway becomes the third largest city in the state when they run a race because of all the people that come to the race. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It's Sturgis is, is Sturgis the most populous city of the state mm-hmm. normally? And no, if not, not normally. On that day? Not normally. Or, or during that 10-day well, period? Probably, then, because probably, people, yeah. people bring campers, people have campsites, and all the hotels are booked, and all the cabins are booked, and all it's that. It's got to be the, the cash cow for well, yeah, the state. People that, if nothing else, just the tax Well, revenue. and the, you know, the people that go there also probably go to Mount Rushmore and all the other you know sightseeing stuff, so exactly. it definitely fills their coffers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting, because I know one person who chose to go to Sturgis this year, and he's young, he's in his 20s, but he essentially said, I don't want to hear anybody tell me that this is a bad idea and that I shouldn't be doing this and that it's not the right thing to do. So to me, that says that he clearly knew on some level he shouldn't be going. This wasn't the year to do it. As opposed to the number of people there who are the ones who would be saying, this is my God-given right and I'm going to go and do this and it doesn't matter what you think about it. Well, and I think that's kind of the, uh, the framework of most of the bikers that go out there. Very much a liberty kind of thing. Which is interesting if you think back to the 60s with the, or what was that movie? Easy, Easy Rider. Rider. You know, or was the hippies that were the, the bikers and all that kind of stuff? Well, that's kind of yeah. kind of shifted now where these are the guys that would probably tend to support Trump and, you know, libertarianism yeah. and... More conservative. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in, religious, yeah. but... I have to interrupt you for just a second, Jeff, and we can get back to that. But in the interest of being a good steward of information, I do have to say that on a quick re-skim of this article, mm-hmm. the uh, study that is publishing that it was 260,000 cases has not yet been peer-reviewed. So ah. it is possible that that number or the methodology or something could ah, tell us that okay. that was not the case. So that number could be inflated, could be deflated. Right. My guess is it's somewhere between... It's a claim at best. My guess is it's somewhere between the 290 cases that the AP is reporting and the 260,000 cases that this study is reporting. But that's a wait, wide, wait a wide range. We're, we're splitting hairs between 290 and 260? <laughs> yes, 260K. <laughs> Yeah. 290, <laughs> so period. It's, it's upwards of... Oh, 290, period. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. I thought, I thought we were talking about a difference of 30,000. No, no, no. A difference... Just make it 275 and call it even. No, a, a, a significant right. difference in it. I, okay. Yeah. So just wanted to make sure that we are clear here that this was not a peer-reviewed study, so that information is subject to change. Well, we always okay, say so to Google say that Okay, so it's 140 shit. still. still yeah. And, yeah. And we don't know the whole ramifications either. Uh, you know, how many people never got tested and... 
we don't still know the full ramifications of the disease itself. We don't, we don't know what the long-term effects of people like yourself that, that caught it and survived through it, what effects it's going to have on you 18 months, five years, 10 years down the road. Well, to not to mention the people who did not go to Sturgis. Right. Who yeah. may get it and, from and someone who went to Sturgis. got it because somebody they know did. Right. Who may get it from someone who went to Sturgis. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and th- or the people the that, that worked at Sturgis that were the bartenders and all this kind of stuff, you know, the community mm-hmm. and the people along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stopping from wherever you started. Cause most people don't fly to no, Sturgis. No, they're no, driving you take their your bike. bike. So you're, you take you're your usually, bike. Well, if, you're not, and most if you're not riding your bike it, up there, you, you're in a truck or a camper hauling your and bike. You're towing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't see a lot of people with rent cars no. <laughs> <laughs> at the, at the Sturgis bike. Joe's rent a Harley. Yeah. <laughs> The point we were making about the irresponsibility there is kind of a nice segue into that case in Maine. Oh, yeah. An indoor wedding. And and the Maine executive orders have said indoor events, maximum of 50 people. And something outside, unless you can do social distancing. And masking. And so this couple got married at this venue. And... They allowed 65 guests there instead of the 50. And 147 or 178, I can't remember which number, cases of COVID have been tied to exposure from that wedding. Three people have died. None of the three people who died attended to the wedding. So they were all exposed by somebody else who went somehow. One of the persons who was exposed works in a prison there. And now a significant number of prisoners at that prison have COVID. Which will be a Stephen King novel in a couple of years. It just makes me angry because you chose to ignore rules and regulations. You let this happen. Like to me, the couple who got married and the venue should be held accountable for this. And unfortunately, they're not the one paying the consequences. And I've read a couple articles with the pastor, a very defiant, very mm-hmm. Dr. Johnny Mack in, yep, in his yep. approach. Mm-hmm. It's all a hoax. Overblown. Yep. Well, unfortunately, it's it's like if, you can't say it nice, if you have a delusion, they do something. But if if, if you have a group delusion, then it's like, you know, it kind of hands off a little bit. But <laughs> like I know the, the county I'm in, the largest... At least at one time, it may, I'll just preface this saying, I, off the top of my head, I do not know if it's, it's still currently, but at one time, the largest single outbreak was attributed to a funeral service at in the county I live in. Yeah. It seems like in most, it may not be in the uh, metropolitan areas, but in the further you get out to the rural areas, it seems to be a particular church service, whether that's a funeral, a, a actual church service itself, or, you know, wedding or, or something along those lines. Just, you know, I, I'm to the point now where I, I am well into the double digits of people who I know personally who have had COVID or have COVID currently. I know at least four people who have lost someone to COVID so I know that you have been posting whenever somebody in your circle. Yeah, so I've, I've had two cousins, three cousins who have had it. My cousin and his wife and their daughter had it. My dad's cousin and her husband had it. My co-worker has had it. My co-worker's child has had it. Jeff had it and his wife. Yep. Another that, person. Jeff's the one that I know. I, I'm trying to think if I know anybody else besides Jeff and Katie. Yeah, another person that I know through some soccer stuff had it. Um you know, I, I my another cousin's ex father in law died from it. Mm-hmm. A board colleague's mother died from it. Well, this proves that you're more personable and people like you <laughs> more than they do me. <laughs> and you know, but it just it, it it's why I still take it seriously. 
and have yeah. always taken it seriously. But it shouldn't take that. It shouldn't take, you know, having to have somebody personally in your sphere to have suffered from it. That's what it took Chuck Woolery. Yep. Until it was his son. Mm-hmm. And he was he was just a flat out denier. Oh, yeah. yep. mm-hmm. And now it's, oh, whoops. somebody he knew. It's real. Came down. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, this thing's mm-hmm. real. No shit, Chuck. Yep. A little late on the train there. Going back to the, uh, the Woodward thing, had the administration and had the Republican Party you know, at large, taking this thing seriously from the start. Maybe there wouldn't have been as... They did. They sold and bought stocks accordingly. Right, right. They took it very seriously. They, they didn't care about anybody else. But down the line, almost every one of them made a gain monetarily. That, that was their main concern. But had the Trump administration, let's say had come out and said, you know, this is serious, this is deadly. In other words, he if he had passed on the information that he had, it would have yeah. made it more difficult for the other Republicans down the line to slough it off. Well, somebody, probably Stephen Miller's in his ear, you have to be strong, you have to be tough, you can't show weakness. But if bit, they you know. had even said, you know, initially they said don't wear a mask because they were trying to keep a run, keep a running on masks that we needed for PPE. But like, yeah. there's so much he yeah. could have done. He could have put a rush order on PPE stuff. Right. They could have not politicized wearing a mask and said, y'all, wear a mask four weeks, it'll help. You know, we wouldn't have had to do some other things if we had exactly. done this, and it wouldn't have become a political issue, and he wouldn't have lied. You know what? That's the thing that gets me the most, is the man lies and lies and lies and lies and lies mm-hmm. with impunity. Yeah. And people who claim to be so pious and so righteous and so full of integrity, let him get away with it time and time and time again, and I'm sick of it. I've been sick of it since... 2017, but I'm more sick of it now because I can't go anywhere and do anything anymore because <laughs> I'll get flipping COVID. Yeah, I mean, I would <laughs> love to put a microphone in uh, Purdue's face and ask him what he thinks about Trump's admissions, whether that's going to, you know, he'll probably spin it. You know, I think they're too far in to where, you know, they have no way out. Yeah. Now, I'm hoping that will make some change in uh, him not being reelected. This time, same thing with Loeffler, who took advantage of the stock thing that you were just talking about. Hugely. So, you know, hopefully there's enough smart people in Georgia that will uh, change some of that stuff. And, you know, they deserve to be punished. Absolutely. If if I lied like that at my job, I would be fired in a heartbeat. And that's what I don't get. Like, I just... I could not live my life like that without repercussions. And I don't even do anything that people are going to die if it doesn't work right. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be tolerated because, you know, I, I work, it, well, any industry has this, right? But I work in an industry that the people are the product, for for lack of a better way of saying it, not that we're selling people or anything like that. You're in human trafficking. Say it. Yeah, we outlawed that. Yeah. Go ahead, come I'm to in me. I'm in the services industry, so <laughs> our people are what we, the tool for getting products built and things done is, is our people. And so we have to be people of integrity. We have to be people who act with conscience. We have to be people who think about others beyond ourselves and and I think that's why I have such a hard time understanding how so many people who are otherwise pretty kind people look to be helpful when they can be and that, that they overlook all of this stuff like it's no big deal. And 
I can hear Jerry in my head if he were here <laughs> asking, why does that surprise you? <laughs> Channel Jerry for <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was Why it, would right I there. expect anything else? Right. <laughs> We have a transmission coming through from the Redneck Riviera. <laughs> it sounds like Jerry. Well, and, and that does seem to be kind of like the thing that's changed in the Republican Party at large is it's okay to lie, no matter what level we're talking about. I mean, the ends justify the means. Right. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about even the postmaster general. I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. A flacky number 47. That's close enough. Okay. It's another Trump kiss-ass mega-donor. I mean, it appears that he's lied under oath when he was talking to Congress about these donations. You know, they're finding out more things where, you know, the company he worked for previously, where he was getting illegal donations from his employees, you know, kind of paying them back and things like that. Yeah, he, the, the employees would make a donation to, like, the Trump campaign, and he would reimburse them. Yeah, yeah, which is quite illegal. And he's, you know, said under oath... That, no, that's preposterous. That's not exactly what Dinesh D'Souza went to jail right. for, but it's in the same ballpark. And it's, it's in the same zip code. I mean, that's that's the other side of this, too. We always think of the, um, the, the Trump base of being these evangelicals, clueless evangelicals that go to the rallies and not real smart and all that kind of stuff. We keep forgetting about the, the wealthy, like this guy. Yeah. He's part of that base. Now, you know, he probably would not claim to be an evangelical. I don't know what his religious background is, but it's all about him getting his uh, his wealth maintained and increased. And He's at the party for an entirely different reason. But that's part of his base, too, that I think oftentimes we forget about. Well, it's frustrating and it's bothering me and it's making me mad. So we need to do something about it. We need, we to, need vote. to vote. Yes. In November, folks. Have a chance. We need to vote. 50 days. From when you're hearing, well, well, when we release it, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, you know, we need to get the get the word out that everybody needs to vote in this thing, whether it's a mail-in vote or an in-person vote, however you want to do it. That was the other kind of disturbing thing. This is kind of a little sidebar here that our uh, Secretary of State put out, and I'm not quite sure what his purpose in doing that was. Was um, I guess during the last election he was claiming that a thousand people double dipped. Did you guys see that? I did. I Voted didn't read twice? the article on it yet, but yeah, which is a you cannot vote twice. Right, right. And, you know, so whose fault is that? Is that the fault of the software that when they went to vote in person, is that, oh, I'm sorry, you already did your mail-in vote? I saw something, I forget where I saw that, but I saw something about this whole thing where, and unfortunately it's different from state to state as far as, like, if you send in an absentee ballot or if you send in an early ballot, some states there, they count them and they show that they've received your ballot. Like, you can go online. Right, right. Oh, yes, they have my ballot. I have. And Georgia is supposed to be one of those. Sometimes that doesn't show up until they don't even count it till that day or the next day or whatever the case may be. So Georgia's doing it a little bit differently. And, and Cobb County, where we all, you know, we're selfishly talking local for a minute here, right? Yeah. Is staffing up to handle more than normal mail-in ballots this time. So that's yes. a really good thing. Yep. A member of our group volunteered in the primaries doing ballot counting for the absentee ballots. And she assured us in, in a meeting that every vote is counted and they actually yeah. do make an effort if something doesn't, if they can't read something or whatever, they'll call you and try to get the information on it. And you're right, it varies from state to state. But they'll come out and they'll say, like this report that says a thousand people double dipped. Well, that's that may not necessarily be the truth because some states allow you, if you can't confirm that you're 
vote has been counted, you have the ability to go down on the day of the election and cast a, forget what the term of it's for. Provisional. Uh, provision, that's it. Provisional ballot. Mm-hmm. If your mail-in ballot is not received, then your provisional ballot is counted. It's a backup. Right. It's it's not somebody trying to cheat the system or somebody, you know, like you said, a felon. Right. And but, what, I think, but what I don't know, because I haven't read it, is in this article, if it's saying people's votes were double counted... But in some states, that's the legal way to go about ensuring that your vote is counted. Well, I think that's what sure. you so in Georgia, like if you requested an absentee ballot, yeah, you go try to go vote in person. They actually know show if up you, requested you requested an absentee, an absentee ballot. ballot, and they have a process yeah. that they're supposed to go through. Right. That's to verify and they won't the, let you vote. Right. In person. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Is is so if they, they will were, let you vote in person if they can't validate that your absentee ballot has been counted. Right. And that's what I kind of picked up from this article. It's very possible that these people, some of these people anyway, you know, were suspicious that their mail-in vote was too late or whatever, and it wasn't counted. They wanted to make sure that their vote counted. Yeah. And so, yes, I mean, there should have been a cross-check that would say, oh, I'm sorry, your mail-in ballot did process, you're counted, you don't need to vote in person. That's not how it was really stated by the Secretary of State. I don't think it was a thousand people setting out to try to game the system. Right, exactly. But that's my point is, so this Republican Secretary of State at this time put this out there about, oh yeah, in Georgia, we had people that tried to dupe the system. You you see what I'm saying? No, exactly. They're just manipulating the data. But they had a a thousand instances of irregularities in the voting system. That That's all it was. In, in a state of how many people? Right. Several million. Yeah. So a minuscule number. You know, keep, keeping it local for a second, you know, early voting has now started in the fifth district of Atlanta. And if you're, if you're not familiar at all with Atlanta or only peripherally familiar with the area or politically agnostic to things, uh, the fifth district is the district that Congressman John Lewis held uh, yeah. okay. for a number for of years. 33 years. So there's a special election going on right now to fill his seat until the end of the term. Yep. Early voting started with that. I saw some reports today that there have been quite a few problems from people voting in the 5th where people are going to vote and it's saying they've already voted and different things like that. So clearly there was still some kind of issue with the voting system or the voting machines or whatever in yep. Fulton County and in that district. And I think that the Secretary of State's office has an awful lot to do between now and November 3rd to make sure things are right. Yep. The buck stops with them. Let me ask you, though, why are there issues with voting just in general? It's, it's 2020. We bank on our phone and within seconds it's verified. The account is secure. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is something that is beyond our grasp for some reason. It, 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 it really shouldn't be. And Exactly. You know, I have I have a lot of issues with it. It seems like intentionally archaic. I think we need to go back to paper and pencil. Scantron <laughs> sheets like we all mm-hmm. did in, in elementary yep. school. Let's double down on archaic. Yeah. Count it with an abacus, people. It's really hard to cheat when you're filling something in like that. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what are we going to just do, like, facial recognition or a scan a retina or something like that, fingerprint voting? And, you know, because honestly, I worry about, so Georgia, again, keeping it local for a second, sorry for any listeners we have not in, in Georgia and not in the U.S. Georgia has new voting machines this year. And so you go and you do your vote and then it gives you a printout and then you turn the printout in and whatever's on your printout is what actually gets put into the system. So you have to verify that your printout oh. is accurate to what you voted. Yes. So, but then you okay. can't 
verify that what's on your printout is actually what's read in the system. And that's where I get a Hmm. little bit nervous, right? I mean, working in the industry that I work in, I understand a little bit about how something like that could be hacked if their right controls are not in place. So Wait, you're saying that the printout, that's what they're using to count the vote? I thought it was just for verification. The way I understand it, the printout then is scanned into something that actually goes into the feeds into the database or data lake Uh, or whatever it is that they're using that actually counts the votes. So it's, in theory, a paper ballot. But you got to look at that. First of all, you need to look at the paper ballot and make sure that it matches with what you think you put in on the machine. Right, which I did last time. Yeah. And what you put in in the machine is not what goes into what's tracked. It's what's on that piece of paper that goes into what's tracked. Interesting. I wasn't aware of and that. And make sure you use a number two pencil or it won't read it. <laughs> well, and, and and we're not enforcing just good policies in general. Like, remember last, remember in 2018, a bunch of voting machines were stolen out of someone's car, unsecured, you know, when they went to like Applebee's. Yeah, that was something. my first question. Why are voting machines in somebody's car? Well, well because they, they have there. to get returned to wherever they're stored during non-election times from the polling places. But that should be a direct trip. They don't use a, a rental panel truck for something like that? No. You know, put in somebody's Probably car? depends on the precinct. No, my mom used to work at, a, at her precinct in her little tiny town, and, like, they would take stuff in themselves to That's back crazy. the elections yeah. office. <laughs> Look, I can, you know, we're talking about a state with 159 counties and, and, and a significant number of them. <laughs> you can't get decent maternal health care in this state in, in a lot of areas. Our voting stuff is to the point we've made already quite archaic in how we're handing a lot of it. And we seem yep. to have a secretary of state now and in 2016 who can't get their hands on. But we Like we know when elections happen, there's a lot of testing, a lot of validation that could be done. It's not like it's just-in-time processing for all of this stuff. There's a lot that could be done. But then again, you're also talking about a, a an unemployment system that lives in this written in COBOL. So, yeah, 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 right. And, you know, it's 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 just... A well-run election is, is harder to steal. Yeah, there's a lot of people in Georgia and in a lot of other states with a very vested interest in elections coming out a particular way. I mean, I was gerrymandered out of the 6th District a few years mm-hmm. ago. It's, it's quite easy to see our little area. So do you have louder milk? Hmm? I have louder milk. Louder milk? Yes, I have louder yeah. milk. You're, you're in with me. Yeah. It's it's Bartow, Cherokee, and a sliver of Cobb to Vinings. And I'm in the sliver of Cobb to Vinings. That's what I feel, right down Powers Ferry. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a like, whole lot of questions about, you know, the upcoming election on all this stuff. It's like my, my uh, oldest daughter and son-in-law are in the process of moving. So they're going to be in a different precinct. Don't change. Don't don't change their address and vote in their old precinct. Okay. There you go. Okay. It's easier. Yeah. Unless you Quicker can be probably. sure that you're within the window right, of changing right. your address to vote in the new precinct, I would hold off. Let's just preface this by saying that if we're legally encouraging them to commit voter fraud, <laughs> it is uh, because of our ignorance. Uh, we plead ignorance. We throw ourselves at the mercy of the court. Right. That's basically what I'm but, saying. But I mean, I think there's, it depends <laughs> on when they close and when right. the registration deadlines are. Right. And but if, if, it, if they can do it, if they can close and get in and get their registration, because when they change their driver's licenses, it should update all of their voting stuff. Right. Then that's what they should do. But if they're yeah. not within in that theory. window, they should wait until. Well, and they still the ha- they still, yeah. you know, uh, haven't sold their condo. In fact, they go to D- go to the DMV about mid-November. And do it then. Well, well technically, I mean, yeah. though, right? If when you change your residence legally, you really only have thirty days legally to do all of this stuff. Yeah, 
But right. maybe fight. Yeah. Maybe look at the SOS website and see what's there. And well, let's, but like you said, Jeff, if if they bought a house and own a condo, who's to say where they live? Right. Yeah, because they still have ownership of two locations yeah. theoretically dual residence but i mean you know that brings up a larger question you know for a lot of the people that now are going to be tossed out of their apartments because of you know non evictions evictions and all that kind of stuff uh, how is that going to work out for voting if if they don't have a current address jeff i have to I would tell assume you, you would vote under your I, I, passage I'm, I'm gonna say that people who are not going to have a home where this comes on unfortunately Voting is probably, probably going to be vote. the least of their concerns. Yeah, mm-hmm. it shouldn't have to be that way, right. but that's probably going to be the absolute least of their concerns, unfortunately. And that's why the rest of us have to go vote. Right. Exactly. And and what the challenge is then when you're talking about fifty people indoors in Maine, and we're talking about school size and everything else, and how that's going to impact a COVID. But there's also another trick to schools here, and that is what if you're trying to relocate and you want to get your kid into a school and you want to know what kind of school you're getting into. So there were some folks at the Public Administration Review, which is. The authors are from the University of Washington, Dartmouth, Florida State, and the University of Virginia. Oh, I didn't know a Seminole was involved. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And they wanted to do a test to see if there is an inherent religious bias in education. So what they did was they emailed principals of roughly 45,000 schools in 33 states. Sounds fair. Representing pre-K all the way through 12th grade. And they posed as parents who wanted to enroll their kids in schools. And they wanted to do an in-person meeting with the principal before making the final decision. And and so they had a control group that was just a regular email that says, you know, hi, maybe at the school, want to meet you, blah, blah. And that was right. it. And then they took three sort of levels of intensity about religious beliefs. So maybe they would start with a fake quote, fake quotation attributed to someone like Richard Dawkins, uh, Pope Benedict, Billy Graham, or the Prophet Muhammad. And they would just have that with their, you know, a lot of people do that with their email signature, some kind of quotation. So they would as, do that. As Christians do. Okay. Christians do this all the time. Yes. Very, yeah, very right. much so. A lot of yeah. people do that for whatever reason. It doesn't have any religious quotation. A lot of people do that. And then they went through with what they called a medium intensity request, where they would say something like, one of the reasons we'd like to meet with you is that we're raising little Jonah or Sarah to be a good atheist humanist and want to make sure this will be possible at your school or a good Episcopalian or a good Muslim or whatever it was and want to know that that's going to be possible at your school. And then they did high intensity requests which said even more directly, one of the reasons we want to meet with you is that we're raising Jonah or Sarah to be a good atheist humanist and want to protect him or her from anything that runs counter to our beliefs. And we want to make sure this would be possible at your school. And so again, that would also say Muslim or uh, Episcopalian, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. So what do you think they found out (laughs) when they sent these fake letters out? Pretty sure we didn't come out too well in the uh, survey. Just just a guess. Just a guess. As far as the number of responses from? Yeah. Or did they break it down as far as positive versus negative responses? Hold on. Let me let me back up. I'm assuming no principal went, hey, suck my dick. You know, and I'm assuming there were no negative responses. But just well, as far as they, they got a, a response, response or not. 
right, right. Yeah. Might not there have been were that no blatant, responses. But, there yeah. were no responses to a number of these that were Muslim or atheist. Delete. At all. Like, yeah. will not even respond to your email for a request to meet. And in, in each case, all they were doing was asking for a meeting with the principal. Right. Okay. Must have got my spam folder. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So, so what you're saying, atheists and Muslims got less response than Catholics and Christians. Yes, significantly mm-hmm. less response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I, that's I'm paint me unshocked. And, you know, so what that shows is then, right, that there is a, a, we all know this anecdotally. A cultural bias. It's systemic. Again, systemic. So I don't know how to count that. I don't know how to counter that. I don't know what to do there. What do you do if you're not one of the cool kids? And by cool kids, I mean the accepted religions in your area. Do you, you know, how, how do you make sure that you're, how, how do we fight this, right? How do we, you know, we, we live in an area that if you don't go to church or synagogue, you know, you're kind of, well, church especially, because we still have a huge amount of anti-Semitism in this area. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. It goes back to the old struggle we talked about time and time again. Uh, do we get more vocal about it so that we normalize it? Or do we still protect ourselves? And well, like you said, or you were going to say, we live in an area where the question is, what church do you go to? Not, do you go to church? It's just assumed that, oh, you're a human being. You go to church. Unless somebody tells you, oh, I'm Muslim. I attend a mosque. I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish. I go to the synagogue. Or, bit, I'm an atheist. I sleep in. But <laughs> it's, it's assumed that you worship in your way. I see the article now, and, there, and there's, there's a graph. We'll, we'll put a, a link up to it. But it, it's funny that you had, there were three different levels of the intensity of the letters that were mailed to the principal. And in the low intensity, which was nothing more than just a Quotation. response. A fake yeah, something quote at the end attributed of their, to someone right. known pa- to be. Part of their signature. Right. Yeah. Atheists and, and Muslims were were right side by side in dead last. Yes. I mean, we we finished last, mm-hmm. but we finished last together. And Protestant and Catholic were just barely above. There, there is a line of demarcation, and I can't tell especially what that line stands for. Yeah, so what I can't tell is that mean, does the principal stop replying altogether at that point? Estimated difference in probability. So, well, it's an arbitrary line that the people who did the study figured they would, they assumed they would get a response of a certain level. Whether they assumed high or low doesn't matter. That's where the line is on this chart. But the, the Catholics and the Christians or Protestants are favored. They went above that line in the low in, in the low intensity. So they got a response the, the, of some sort. They got a response, but the Muslims and the atheists did not. In the medium and the high, it's it, yeah. We we dropped down below nobody 8. got seven and thirteen point eight percentage yeah. points respectively. The atheist was the lowest. Yeah. The, the Muslim moved ahead of us. Right. Yes, it's almost like if if it's passive. I'll talk to the Christians and the Catholics. If it's more in your face or, in the third case, more direct, just flat out, I'm asking you, will my child be protected from opposite beliefs? Then everybody fails at that point. It's, it's like they, they almost write off everybody as far as the expected response, and even more so the atheist. But the religion seems to be more closely grouped where when it was just kind of a passive, you know, eh, whatever, you kind of see where the guy's coming from, kind of a reply. We were right there with the third of the Abrahamic religions. Yeah, that, religions. that is interesting on this or, chart. So we 
when you get the, the link, make sure you click on the chart to make it bigger. Absolutely. Because it does show that anytime you ask a religious kind of question, it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to answer this. It starts to push more towards, your, like you say, your spam folder. Right. And the religions start to get closely more packed together and you see the distance to non-belief. Yeah, the, the, the atheists drop way below on both the medium and the high, I assume, <laughs> yeah. because, well, at least Muslims believe in a God. It's not, it's not the right God, yeah. but, you yeah. know, they believe in a yeah. God. They've got the concept right. They just missed yeah. on the specifics. Yeah, but if we, okay. we, we can work If we with do the that. FCA uh, after school, you know, they'll come over <laughs> to our side, you know. So, who's got a recommendation? Uh, I got one. What you got? Let me, hold on, hold on. Oh. I got a vision coming through. Oh. It's a book. You're channeling, <laughs> you're channeling. I'm feeling it's a book. It, it is a, it's a it book. It is a book. Oh, I knew it. What is That's it? That's all I do. I it's don't, not a coloring book. I don't book. watch your TV. It's not a pop-up book. I don't watch your TV shows. Come on. Your, I, I know you do. Television. I got one for you this week. I bet you'll watch, uh, though. Okay. Yeah. Like I watched the last one. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a current one I'm reading called Taking America Back, God, Christian Nationalism in the United <laughs> States. Is it spelled G-A-W-D, God? God. No, I kind of put that inflection on there because it just drives me nuts. Is like we are not giving enough credence to Christian nationalism, and he really defines well in this book what he means by Christian nationalism. We always kind of think it's kind of narrow to mean um, evangelicals. No, it's broader than that. It's it's not people. It's not just people that are Christians. Um, it it can include like we were talking about before. You know, like the the postmaster general. He could be a quasi-Christian nationalist. The Q people can be um, Christian nationalists. So the bikers the and bikers Sturgis. The bikers and Sturges could definitely be, uh, by definition, part of this group. So it really helps you understand because, you know, like Ashley was asking, I don't understand how evangelicals can vote because, you know, the moral issues and stuff like that. No, nationalism is is beyond morality. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm only like about 5 6% into the book, according to Kindle, but it's it's. <laughs> already just, you know, it's like opened my eyes. It's like we need to really be aware of what this is. It's, I mean, because it's not just white supremacy. That would also kind of fall in, under Christian nationalism. Yep. So, you know, definitions matter. So I highly recommend it from what I've read thus far and what I've heard. So. First first 5% is good. Don't expect the next 95 to be shitty. Mm, nope. Nope, not at all. Okay. Nope. There you go. What you got, Ashley? So I, in the midst of reading books for my book clubs, have also been reading for escapism a lot. And I read a thriller over the last couple of days that had a twist in it that I did not see coming. Mm. Uh And it's been a while since I've enjoyed reading a thriller quite that much. So it is uh, Little Secrets by Jennifer Hillier. It came out Mm. uh, in, in April or August uh of 2020 any month that starts in an a yeah yeah it's this year that it came out so it's a relatively new book but uh you know i read it in a couple of days because you know work and life and everything in the midst of it but it was really quite good and i have a second recommendation if you have hbo you have to start watching the vow which is about the nexium cult on my list i have not started out this is one that i'm gonna wait for it all to have premiered and then i can binge it yeah I don't want to wait a week. It's the branding and, and one. So there's four it. episodes out, so you can start now. But it's yeah. the one where the women are branded, and it's really, it's really quite interesting because you're following people as they're figuring it out, sort of real time that it's a cult and hmm. what they're doing with it, and it's absolutely fascinating. So 
recommend both of those. Keeping with your theme of, of an HBO show, I got a new show for y'all. This one is on HBO Max, which is HBO's... I say HBO's. This is one of three HBO streaming services. Too many streaming services. Well, that's what I have is but, the Max, yeah. Okay. You're going to love this, Jeff. This is right up your alley. It's, it's called Raised by Wolves. It's Ridley Scott, Alien, Blade Runner, The Martian, bunch of other movies. He is one of the producers on this, and he directs the first two episodes of the series. It's a, I believe it's a 10-part series for the first season. The first three uh, episodes were dropped about a week ago. Thursday is when the fourth, it's going to be one episode every week from the fourth on, on Thursdays is going to be released. But basically it's got 125 to 150 years in the future. There's a religious war and the earth is left uninhabitable. And the war is between the atheist and a new religious sect, the the Mithracist, which is a, a new religion where they worship Saul, which is a sun god. And they there's two approaches. The the atheist, unbeknownst to, to the religious troop, takes a fast ship with a couple of androids and some fertilized embryos and shoots them out into space to reach this planet to try and start a new human colony atheist civilization with without the religious strife that made it, uh, the earth inhabitable to begin with. Twelve years later, the religious troop shows up in their slow-moving vessel that, that they, they brought. And that's kind of where, where the show starts. And it's, it's two androids raising these small children and the religious sect. One of, the, one of their beliefs is that Androids raising children is a sin, and we, and we can't have that. I, I'm going to put a link for for the for the trailer in in the notes. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Like huh. I said, I've watched the first three episodes. I watched each episode twice. Each time, I've, I've caught something that that I missed the first time, and it's it's one of those where I watched the first episode and I was blown away. I was wow. just absolutely just blown away by it, and then. Before the credits started for the second episode, they threw a mindfuck kind of a change twist. Not a plot change. Even better, a a character change that just, I didn't see that coming at all. And it it, it blew me away and I'm hooked. I, I'm in. Dang, so I'll, I'll leave some uh, some links for it as kinda well. Selling too. Me, and, kinda selling me. Kind of selling me on that. Cannot recommend. I, I know for a fact you have not seen a single episode of Afterlife. Correct? Correct. <laughs> I watched a preview. You watch you preview. will watch. You will watch Raised by Wolves. It is absolutely amazing. It's one of the best things. And, and it's Ridley Scott. You can't go are wrong. You, I mean, are you sold, Ashley? I'll check it out. Okay. It's it's got it's got a the only thing there's two things. Two I say the only thing and there's two things. The only thing is there is two things and the two things are number 1 I kind of wish they'd have had the balls, and I know they couldn't have done it, but I kind of wish they'd have had the balls to, instead of a sun god, to just make it a cross and make it Christianity and be done with it. Because <laughs> there's enough Judeo-Christian terms in the uh, series that you know what they're nodding at, but they, they just don't want to come out and say you know, it. half their audience. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah. I can, I, so I take a step back, and I can, and I can understand that. And the second thing is. And I've seen, I believe it was in the third episode, I've seen just a little bit of it, and it made me 
just tinged just just a little bit where the atheists were portrayed a little bit cartoonic. And, and it, it, it was in, in one particular, and you'll know it when you see it, that it's, okay, we get it. Pump the brakes a little, all right? They just went a little bit too far in, in, in one of them. And I hope there's less of that because everything else has been just... I, like I said, I'm all I'm all in. If it's a poker yeah. hand, <laughs> I'm all. So that was in. probably absolutely that was influenced by like a like a school principal probably. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I should give one more recommendation. Okay. What's that? If you're a lipstick, lip gloss wearing person, ah. <laughs> or you know someone who is a lip gloss, lipstick wearing person, you should check out lipslut.com. <laughs> We will definitely put a link a picture my, in the show notes. My fuck Trump. We, we just picked up a new sponsor. Godless Heathens, brought to you by Lipslut.com. My fuck Trump lip gloss arrived today. It is a fantastic shade. It's a matte finish. It is very long wearing, which for those of you who don't wear lip gloss and lipstick means it's not going to get those little lip stains on your glasses and, and mugs and stuff when you're drinking from it. Um... I don't know about the latest restock. When I bought mine, a portion of the proceeds were going to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. But nice. they have a number of um, spunky, sassy names on their products, and they support a lot of good causes. So this is one you should definitely go check out. If for nothing but the packaging alone, <laughs> which is an image of the president wearing this lovely, lovely shade of fuck oh, Trump. Is it, is it orange? absolutely give a shout it out to these folks. It is not orange, because I cannot not wear orange. orange. Okay. Um, okay. No, it's, but it's actually a really good shade. So, yeah. Good recommendation. Yes, that's right. They have a fuck coronavirus hand sanitizer and a resting bitch face uh, <laughs> lip gloss, too. <laughs> uh, I definitely want to click on that link. I got to put it in order for some, uh, what was that? Ha- what was the hand sanitizer again? Fuck COVID. Yep. Fuck COVID. Fuck COVID. Yep. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to give me in a case ass. of fuck COVID. All right. Well, on that note, on in the ass, on that note, <laughs> we'll see y'all in two weeks. All Good right, night. Bye. Thanks for coming on, Ashley. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Bye. Anytime. Enjoyed it. my gun. He made me mad. The devil's bad. The devil is a bum. But the devil is my friend. The devil is my friend. Wherever I go, the devil goes. The devil is my friend. And Godzilla is my friend. Godzilla is my friend. Wherever I go, Godzilla goes. Godzilla is my friend. And Shrinko was my friend. And Bridget was my friend. And Andrew Bob, he just popped off. Now Gorbachev is my friend. And Frank Sinatra is my friend.